the Spiffing Brit and YouTube Analytics. The Spiffing Brit released a video today called This Video Breaks YouTube. You must watch in 0.5 times speed. The whole premise of this video is that if you watch this video in 0.5 times speed and then watch the entire thing, as far as YouTube is concerned, you've watched 200% of the video. And the algorithm on YouTube cares a lot about the percentage that you've watched the video as well as the amount of time you've watched a video, right? No one really knows which is more important. For example, if you had a 10 minute video that the average person watches 70% of versus a 14 minute video that the average person watches 50% of, will one do better than the other? Both are being watched for seven minutes on average, just a different percentage of the video. I would suspect that the 10 minute video would do better as a greater portion of the video is being watched, potentially suggesting that people are more engaged and are enjoying it more. However, would a 30 minute video that was watched 50% get recommended more? As it's still a lower percentage than the first video, but people are now watching for 15 minutes, which is longer than the seven minutes. I don't think there's a definitive answer as to how much the algorithm values engagement versus watch time. We simply know that it values both. Even directly asking people who work at YouTube, the answers are somewhat vague, and my impression has always been that it's like a balancing of the two. A video that everyone's gonna get to the end is suggestive that they really enjoy it, and so it's gonna get recommended more. A video where people only get to like 50% of the way through, but they're there for an hour, that's a whole hour, so the, the algorithm's gonna value that, and so it's gonna recommend that video as well. You want a combination of the two. Ideally, you want people to be in your video for a very long time and to as a percentage, stay for the majority of the video or a significant portion of the video, whatever. And so with enough people doing this, the engagement on this video will be effectively 200% or whatever. And I watched it. It's got 1.7 million views, but that's not that crazy for this channel. The video before got over a million, this has got 2.2 million. This has got 1.3, this has got 1.3. And this premise, this video breaks YouTube, is one people are immediately gonna click. It's only a minute, so not a lot of time. So people are like, oh, it's a minute, that's what this is about. Thumbnail very captivating as well. I question whether this was successful, whether it really mattered that there was now 200% engagement on the, this video. I'm sure it got recommended a lot, but I, I'm not sure to what degree this scheme really helped this video. Maybe I'm wrong, in the next couple of weeks, you'll go to 10 million, 20 million, but I think it would just be recommended the same amount as you know a minute video that people all watch to the end, you know? You think it might push that to more people? Yeah, exactly, it, it might do that. It's just the views haven't shown that to be certainly the case. The premise of the video, the thumbnail and title, would be enough to get the video to be recommended to fuck tons of people, even if this scheme itself didn't work. I don't know if his premise is true or not, and I don't think this video proves it to be so. That you can go past 100% engagement and the algorithm will actually care about that. You know, this has been known about for a while, I think, Spiffing Brit's even done it himself before, in, in some smaller ways. It's possible that YouTube has seen this and gone, well, we just won't count anything above 100%. I don't know, like, I'm, I, I'm gonna be interested in the next couple of weeks, this ends up getting, like, way more than his normal videos. More than could possibly be explained by the video's title, premise, and thumbnail just being very good. I was recently listening to Mr. Beast talking about how he aims for 70% engagement. But if you look at my most successful videos, none of mine get anywhere close to that. This is my most successful video, got like 5 million views. Average view duration, 44%. And then there's this video, right? My 10 hour video, where the average view percentage is 4.5%. And if you do get gripped into this video, 7% of the people were, you'll be here for 10 hours. 
and people come back to the video and watch again. So even though the average view duration is half an hour, which is still very high, and most people are dropping off before the first six minutes, if it does grip you, you're gonna be there for a very long time. So the the so YouTube recommends this video. So this video, half an hour again, average percent view, 20%, but if it captivates you, if it gets you, you know, you're there for two and a half hours. This one is a shorter video, and, and so this reaches, you know, the 70% kind of marker that, well, it's not exactly there, but this is this is what, like, the top tier YouTubers are trying to do with their, you know, 10 to 15 minute videos. Get, get this kind of retention. But I just want to show that that's not necessary. Clearly, the algorithm balances both the percentage viewed and the actual raw um, length that a person's going to be watching the video. Australian mobile providers tried to kill me with incompetence. So I'm currently with Vodafone. In my country, there are three different mobile providers, Optus, Telstra, and Vodafone. There are a bunch of other mobile companies, but they all use one of these three networks. Each of these networks has roughly 98% coverage of Australia, but obviously they don't have the same quality of coverage in every single area. At my house, I get one bar with Vodafone, but I so very rarely need to use my mobile data that it's so rarely relevant to my life. I had some cleaners here yesterday, He's trying to send me the bill, a picture of the bank details. And he's sitting there and I'm, I'm, he's like, oh, it hasn't gone. And I'm like, oh yeah, see the little bar there still going. And we sat there for like two awkward minutes while waiting for this bar to finish. This is just like a small picture, like a couple of uh, kilobytes or whatever. Funnily enough, this cleaner was also with Vodafone. Eventually, I'm like, I'm sure you leave, drive a couple of streets away, it'll, it'll send. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'll message you if it doesn't work. And uh, it took all the time for the cleaning to finish and for him to leave and like 10 minutes later for him to drive away from this area for it actually to send to me. But when I first brought this issue up to Vodafone, they're like, oh, your SIM card's probably uh, bad. We, we got we got good coverage there where you, where you live. I'm like, really? Okay, send me the SIM card. So they sent me a SIM card, but they didn't send me the tool to remove the SIM card. And so I then I had to wait for a week for a, a tool to be sent to me because I didn't have a pin or anything like that that could, that could open it without damaging my phone. And so I finally put in the new SIM card, no change. Obviously, because my SIM card was like two years old. So Vodafone just flat out lied to me. After being with them for like a decade, giving them thousands of dollars, flat out lied. So I'm like, I'm going to change my provider. How do you even explain this fucking story? I go into the Telstra website, which is, again, the owner of another network in Australia. Spend like, you know, 20 minutes putting in all my details, dotting all the T's, crossing all the I's, all that stuff, to transfer my number from Vodafone to Telstra. People are like, this is an easy process these days, don't worry about it, you just do some buttons, it's fine. There were so many pages of documents I had to sign. It was so fucking frustrating. So they send me the SIM card. I'm like, well, it should be a simple matter of like pressing a couple of buttons right and activate the SIM card. No, I, I look at the instructions and the page is so faded that I'm, I'm having to put out like next to the light to figure out what the numbers are and to read the instructions. Like th this had been printed with like the cheapest ink on the cheapest paper I've ever seen. It, it was barely paper. It was like tissue paper. I'm like, this, this, these are some cost-saving measures right here. I, I scan the code, the, the QR code, follow all the instructions. I don't have sufficient information to activate the SIM card. They didn't send me like an account number or anything like that. The, the website, I tried that form too, don't have enough information for that as well. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Surely they knew I had to activate the SIM. Why, why is this so complicated? And half the time on the app, it's rejecting me as a bot. I'd press the thing, the button, I am a human. And it's like, I don't think you're human, son. I'm like, no, I, I really am. No, I don't think you are. And so I, I, I waste like like 45 minutes doing this. And I'm like, fuck it. I'll call Telstra themselves. Because 
you, you know how it is, all, all these uh, automated forms and stuff, if a small thing go, goes wrong, they have no idea what the fuck's going on, so you can't get through. So I'm like, I'll just call Telstra, it should be fine. Now, I think Telstra has their support staff in India. The quality of the phone call was one of the worst I've ever seen, uh, or heard rather, and that might be because, you know, of how bad my coverage is here, I'm not sure. So I'm calling them, and I'm like, uh, so my name is Matthew, and they're like, Mark? No, Matthew. Daniel? No, no, it's Matthew. Can you spell that? M-A-T-M-A-R. No, no, no. M-A-T. I must have spent like 45 minutes just spelling things. And every once in a while, there'd be a break of like three minutes where no sound, no sound at all. They must have the strongest noise gate ever. No music, no breathing, no, no static, no nothing. I'm like, you're still there? She's like, oh yeah, I'm still there. You need anything else? No, 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 we're just working on it. So, so how do you spell your address again? I, I, I've never in my entire life had such incompetent support stuff. Just when I think she's making some progress. After saying it's not working for some reason, I don't understand why it's not working. What is this? I don't understand. And finding out that she wasn't using my details that I already provided on the website. She was just trying to get all my details again, the same information I gave. She hangs up on me. She says, let me put you on hold. And she hangs up. After like 45 plus minutes. Like I, I, I partitioned an hour and a half of my day to get this done. And it wasn't sufficient. I was back at square one. And so I complain on Twitter because that's what you do, especially when you have a large following. They're like, oh shit, we better get this fucking done. Or, you know, they'll ward away customers from our shitty business. And so I am talking to the person in the DMs. I'm like, so can you help me activate my SIM? And they're like, no. What do you, what do you mean no? He's like, well, you're like a, a business account. So like, that's not something we handle. Like we, we can literally not help business people through Twitter. I'm so like, so what you're saying is by making a business account, I have less support than most people. They're like, yeah. I'm like, is there anything else I can do? They're like, oh, you can talk to this, these people if you like. And so they sent me another line. And so go through to another support sector. I'm like, so can you help me activate my SIM card? They're like, no. I'm like, what do you mean no? It's like, well, you, we can't do that. You have, to, you have to call on the phone. I'm like, I just did that. And they hung up on me. They're like, well, there's nothing we can do. This company's worth billions of dollars. Billions. After this complete shit show, people in on Twitter, the su support staff on there, most people were talking to me, trying to figure out what the fuck went wrong, how they lost all my details, how colossally, like a dozen different support staff now had fucked up and been unable to help me activate a SIM card. It's a SIM card. And so eventually they got the exact same details out of me a fucking again. And they're like, look, we'll call you for a phone call tomorrow. I'm like, all right, call me midday. You know when they called me today, chat? 9.45, while I was asleep. Probably still having food poisoning, feeling like shit, not getting enough sleep, and they called me at 9.45. The one thing I said to them is call me at 12. That's it. They had one job to do, and they couldn't fucking do it. This is insane. And I said to them on Twitter, after they now woken me up, and I said, hey, call me back at 12. I really wish you didn't call me at this point. I said to call me at 12, and they apologized. They're like, I'm sorry, but if there was any inconvenience caused by our call. It's now 1.15. They still didn't call me at 12. The level of incompetence expressed is just so mind-boggling. All I wanted to do was activate my SIM card for my phone. And you know what's the worst thing, chat? The worst thing in all this? When I put my Telstra SIM into my phone, I think it still shows me the level of reception that I get, even if I can't make calls or use the internet, because it shows me some bars up there. And it too only gives me one or two bars. So I think even if 
I went through all of this and, and finally had this billion dollar company managed to take my money to activate a SIM card, I think I'd still be fucked. I think I'd still have bad coverage. There were three, as I say, mobile networks. Maybe I, if, if they ever get this activated, I'll try Telstra and be like, well, that's shit too. And then I'll try Optus. But I think I'm just up shit creek. I have no idea why. I can look on a map of coverage and like 100 meters that way, 5G, 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 in this area, 4G, and it's shit 4G. As the cleaner said to me, he's like, oh yeah, people around here always complaining. And I don't understand why. I'm in Sydney, the most expensive houses in the world, the most populous city in Australia. Sure, I'm on like the, the edges of it, but like, where else would you put coverage? And I just think to myself, like, maybe there's like one guy who's just pissed off every CEO of these mobile companies. And so they just refuse to improve the coverage. I don't understand. Minecraft versus Square Enix on NFTs. So we've got some good news on the no fucking thanks fronts, also called NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Here's an early look at our upcoming guidelines regarding Minecraft and NFTs. If you're a player or creator actively involved in the buying, selling, or trading of NFTs that make use of Minecraft, please use the information in the article below. Too long did not read. To ensure that Minecraft players have a safe and inclusive experience, blockchain technologies are not permitted to be integrated inside our Minecraft client and server applications, nor may they be utilized to create NFTs associated with any in-game content. Each of these uses of NFTs and other blockchain technologies creates digital ownership based on scarcity and exclusion, which, do, which does not align with Minecraft values of creative inclusion and playing together. NFTs are not inclusive of all our community and create a scenario of the haves and the have-nots. The speculative pricing and investment mentality around NFTs takes away the focus from playing the game and encourages profiteering, which we think is inconsistent with the long-term joy and success of our players. What a statement. I wish every company could be this way. A big W for Minecraft. And I guess therefore Microsoft. It's weird though, right? Clearly the popular sentiment is against NFTs, but the community of people who buy NFTs still have quite a bit of money. So if you're immoral enough, scammy enough, you can still get into that market and grab some cash from, I'm gonna say it, very stupid people. And so you can move to Square Enix here Square Enix has teamed up with Engine to create non-fungible tokens for digital collectibles for the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII. I mean, you can compare, like this tweet, for example, 150,000 likes, and this tweet here, 700 likes. Massive L here. I'm happy I'm not really associated with Square Enix, but uh, but like the entire market has crashed. Why are companies still throwing money at this? What was that thing that uh, SkillUp tweeted? More than half of the investment raised by gaming companies, over 2.2 billion, went to blockchain and NFT startups in the first half of 2022, according to the report. Look at how desperate these people are to sell us things that add absolutely nothing to this hobby and that, thankfully, absolutely no one is asking for. Billions wasted that could have been spent on making actual video games we might have enjoyed. What a pathetic waste. I'm assuming that there must be people at these companies who are trying to justify the terrible fucking decision to get into NFTs, either that or the money that they've taken in, it was taken in with the, with the condition that they do spend it on NFTs. So they're just kind of stuck going along with this. Like how many people could still really believe that NFTs are the fucking future? Never eat before you sleep. I was going to bed and I was so hungry. I'm like, 
I, I can't be this hungry and go to bed. I, I need to have a good night's sleep. And that's dumb thinking because eating before you go to sleep is the, the worst way to have a good night's sleep. But I was just so hungry. I'm like, I, I just have to take the risk. So I went to my fridge and I got myself some salami. And I'm like, when did I buy this salami? Smells all right. It should be fine. I ate it. It was, I don't think it was fine, chat. Did not make sleeping easier. And uh, I feel terrible today. I ate something else when I woke up because, you know, still hungry and made it even worse. And I feel fucking wrecked. What's worse is uh, Telstra called me up and interrupted my sleep. I, I did not feel good. People will forgive anything for a good game. Like on some level chat, I do think it's the case that it doesn't matter how fucking shit a gaming company is. If they bring out a good enough game, everything will be fucking forgiven. People say, man, I fucking hate this company, but fuck is this game good, you know? And I think companies are probably realizing that now because it's kind of like the downside of copyright. As I say, I'm a supporter of copyright. I think it makes sense in, in capitalism for it to exist in some form. I'm not saying I support every copyright law, but when you give people exclusivity of an IP that they've created, this can happen. If say, people hate Blizzard, without intellectual property, another company would just make another World of Warcraft and we'd all go there and not support Blizzard. It's one of those things where everything in existence has downsides and the existence of intellectual property in regards to games, exclusivity of IP, it causes a situation where you have to play that game with and support that company you don't necessarily like. Copyright is 50-50 for me. With all things in life, it is not about finding the perfect thing that is only good. It is about finding the least bad thing. Anything with a wide enough influence, a wide enough reach, affects enough things, is going to cause harm or problems somewhere to someone, even if only rarely or in particular contexts or what have you. It's got to always weigh the pros and the cons. Nothing is purely good for everyone in all contexts. Be sure to like and subscribe. Also leave a comment if you have something on your mind. My feed gives them to me from all over my channel. It doesn't matter how old the video is. I wish you all the best.